Ronananian. America is not ready to pay for a $300 battery. Not yet. On the boats and on the planes, they come into America, never looking back again. They come into America. The Car Doctor. Have certain major chain stores convinced you that all batteries are supposed to be between $60 and $80? You know what? Batteries can be between $60 and $80. They're junk. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, my country is the... Welcome, Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. More information about this radio show out at cardoctorshow.com as well as podcasting. Also podcasting available at TuneIn, iHeart, and iTunes.com and also down around at Google Play. How was your week? I had a crazy week in the shop. It was the week of everybody last minute. Oh, gee, can you do this? Can you do that? We had a couple walk in yesterday. I think it would. I keep thinking it would be a great setting for a reality TV show. Husband and wife walk in about quarter to four in the afternoon, and we're just finishing up. We're supposed to be out of there by two o'clock, but we ran over. And I elbowed Danny and I said, "Here we go. Watch this. Quarter to four. They're going to need something that could have been done two weeks ago that they waited till the last minute. That's a problem now, and now they can't go away or some." But what I got was something that I totally didn't expect. They walk in. And the husband kind of peeks in around the corner, and I felt bad for the guy because I think he was a little henpecked. I'm not really sure, but he, uh, he he kind of peeks in around the corner, and then he walks in, and he had a question and a problem about tires. And he goes on to explain it to me, and, you know, can you get me tires for my car? And I explained to him, how, you know, it's kind of late in the day, and it's not something that we can do right this second. We're getting ready to go home. It's, you know, it's 4th of July. We're, 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 we're kind of winding down. And then the wife started really well, kind of berating the poor guy. You know, well, you see, I told you you should have gotten in here sooner. And, and you know, and then she explained to me what he was trying to say, that he had a leak in the tires for the past two years, ever since he had new tires put on three years ago, because she kept saying he had new tires. When? Three years ago. Then they're not new. Trust me, after they go down the road once, they're not new. You know, it's. I wanted to do the analogy of the, but I couldn't do that. It was family radio. And, you know, it just, so... What ended up happening was it was a five-minute knockdown drag out, you big jerk, and why didn't you do this, and you're a dope. And um, I, I just sat there and handed him my card and said, listen, when you guys figure this out, I'm open Tuesday. Stop by or give me a call. And uh, we sent them on their way. But they weren't the only ones. And I'm wondering, is is this something new that we're seeing people, we're seeing people wait till the last minute? It was absolutely the busiest 4th of July week we've had in the better part of eight years people were not prepared are you not prepared to take your car out on the road i don't understand that someone called the shop oh 10 30 on wednesday they were leaving friday morning they needed to get the vehicle in for a problem it was having when can you look at it well i could look at it next week tuesday or wednesday well no we're leaving on vacation we need the car by friday 
But it's Wednesday. You've given me 12 hours, a day and a half, to look at something that normally, I, you know, <laughs> who knows what we're going to get into. And my point is, are you really prepared? You know, when I was, when I was brought up, when I was raised and, and, and taught the rules of the road of life, so to speak, there was a couple of things I absolutely knew. Number one, you, you, don't, you, you, you always stand up when somebody approaches the table and shake their hand and welcome them. You always are polite and say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. You open doors. You respect the senior citizens, of which I am now one, and uh, happy to be there. And you don't leave the car till the last minute of a holiday week to get it serviced. Because, you know what, you got to be some kind of stupid. I mean, there's just no other way to say it. You know, one woman actually asked me during the week, well, since we can't get it into you, is there anybody else you could recommend? And I said, there's a lot of guys I'd recommend, but frankly... All the good shops are busy. It's the 4th of July. Well, maybe I'll take one of the bad shops instead. Okay. Well, then just call up, and anybody that can take the job today is a bad mechanic, and that's your classification on how to make a decision. You know, and I keep thinking we're letting these people not less, much less drive, but reproduce and vote, and that in and of itself is a problem. 855-560-9900, Ron and in the car doctor. I welcome each and every one of you today. Uh, to the show, and thanks for stopping by. I've got a couple of emails. We're going to talk about some car choices, but let's uh, let's real quick, let's kick the garage doors open this hour. I just want to make a comment a little bit later on. I want to talk a little bit about Diablo Sport and their tuner packages and uh, more information out at diablosport.com. We're going to be doing some uh, experimentation at the shop with the plow truck. I thought I would take, I'll do it now. I thought I would take the plow truck and put a tuner kit on it. Maybe I could have the world's fastest plow truck, take a 2008 Chevy Silverado 1-ton 3500, and put a tuner kit on it. And what I'm what I'm doing is I'm remapping the operating program, how the vehicle will work. I've already gotten rid of some of the bottom end lag. You know, when I when I come off the line, that uh, you know, not hard. I'm not racing it, but just driving it normal. The truck since new always had this you know little bit of a stutter. I've just about eliminated it playing with it with the mapping package with the folks available. I'm, I'm using the uh, um, the Intune 12 kit. And, uh, you know, the folks at Diablo Sport have been very supportive. They have great tech support, and uh, we're going to be uh, playing with that. I'm actually posting some, maybe we'll put some videos up on YouTube, and we'll talk about it a little bit more as the show evolves going forward the rest of this year. But I'm um, getting the plow truck ready. I want to have the world's fastest plow truck. This way, when it snows come this winter, and I realize we're in July, why are we talking about snow? I'm just getting ready because I'm not waiting until the last minute like the rest of you. All right, because I don't want to wait till it snows and then go, okay, let me make the truck run right now because I'll just wait six more months. But anyway, let's get over and talk to Ed in Queens, New York, with some questions about getting rid of fluids. Ed, great question. Welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Great. Thanks, Ron. You're welcome. Uh, My question is two-part question, one on radiator fluid and then on radiators. Regarding radiator fluid, I recently purchased six jugs of radiator fluid, two at my local O'Reilly's, two at AutoZone, and two at a big-box retailer. I changed the fluids on two non-automobile radiators, and I put the used fluid back in the jugs. I went back to the store thinking that I'm going to recycle it like I do with regular oil, and they tell me they don't take it. It's I call Prestone, and they tell me it's a hazardous substance, and you have to contact your local city, municipality, or fire department. I speak to three different 
city municipalities and fire departments, and they all tell me they take it back once a year. So my question to you is, what does the non-professional shop, most people who don't have their car serviced by a professional shop like yours, do with their radiator fluid? Because there's obviously a lot of it being sold, and I can't believe that everyone keeps it for a year, waiting for that one day a year when they properly take it back. Um it's a great question, Ed. I can't answer it here because if I do, everybody will start doing it. But trust me, what everybody's doing is illegal. Right. You want to know so what? The, why doesn't you, you, you want to know what the answer is? Most people are dumping it what? down the toilet. That's ridiculous. And that's what they're doing. If they have a sewer system, it goes through the sewer plant, and the sewer plant supposedly. And I, I hear this from people all the time. I'll tell you even how more ridiculous it is because you're absolutely right. You're forward thinking here. All right, a repair shop like me, I've got to recycle it and provide it through a reclaimer and, and go through a cleaning process, and there's a thousand hoops we have to jump through. An individual, and I asked this question the better part of 12 years ago, and I realize it's been 12 years, but I don't believe the answer has changed. An individual can pop a radiator hose on the curb, run it down in the sewer, and it's not an issue for them because they're an individual, not a business. Right. I don't know that to be true, and I'm not endorsing that, nor am I condoning it. I'm not I'm not sitting here and saying, hey, we should do this, endorse and condone, same thing. I'm not saying, you know, this is the way to solve it. But it is ridiculous. The steps we go through in the shop for fluids is mind-boggling. It's, it's tagged and bagged. We actually have, and we actually had somebody from uh, the local, I, I could call it local EPA, come around one day sniffing around the shop, wanting to see what we were up to. And, you know, we took them around. I showed them the EPA reports I keep on site that there's no tanks in the ground or anything like that. They were having a a leakage problem across the street, and they were going to start to blame us because we're the dirty auto repair shop. Well, they were surprised when I, you know, had all my documentation and no tanks in the ground. And um, I even showed them, and I've yet to see this in any repair shop, we have an oil filter puncher. So when when we change oil, we put the filter in the punch, we actually knock a hole through it. It drains the oil out, and then the oil goes into the waste tank for the waste oil company to pick up. And then we throw out a drained oil filter, which contains about 80% less oil than a filter that is not drained. But, you know, it's the day-to-day. When people, when you go into a repair shop, and what people have to understand is the cost of doing business to keep the environment clean, if it's being followed correctly... That's what the EPA hazardous material charges are for. That's what the shop supplies charges are for. It's not for the owner to build up enough money to go take a vacation in Bermuda, which I've been accused of. It's there to actually go. It's a purpose, um, you know, if the business is being run properly. And that's what that's what people don't seem to understand. Getting rid of fluids is a real problem. For you, the consumer, yeah, it's a problem. And I, I can't see the day when auto, auto parts stores would be required to take the antifreeze back because they'll just stop selling it. They, they couldn't manage it. It would be that big of an issue for them. But many shops are required to take used oil back. Yes, they are. That's right. That's right. And, 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 and repair shops are required by law in New York, I know this for a fact, to take used oil back. The problem becomes they, there's, a, there's a gray area here on, is this really oil? Eddie shows up at the shop with, you know, three gallons of oil. Eddie, is this really oil? Yeah. Now I got to prove it, or I got to take Eddie at his word. Right. Uh, you know, it, it, it's it's an issue. It's it's almost like the government wants to clean up the environment, but they haven't taken the proper steps to to support that. 
Well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, well, look who's running the government. So we'll we'll leave it there. All right, sir. Great, thank you. You're very welcome, Ed. We'll see you soon. Take good care. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy in the car, doctor. Back right after this. Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900, the Car Doctor's 24-7 number to help you solve your automotive problem. Give us a call. Leave a message if we're not on the air fast. Harry will call you back and line you up in queue. And uh, I should point out, because I've been picking on him, well, not picking on him, but I've been noticing it the last couple of weeks. Anthony, look at me. Anthony's got his uniform on today. You look good today, bro. Thank you very much. Where'd you get that great-looking T-shirt? I got it from you. Oh, that's right. So... That's right, I forgot. But uh, you look good. You and Tom are dressed alike. Yes, we're twins, Ebony and Ivory. Yeah, I, I right. noticed. That's right. And, you know, we almost tripped over these today. You've got to get rid of these guys. Is that? Is that? Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm working on it. You know, it's, it's so for everybody's, for everybody's knowledge out there, we do have them up on eBay. And uh, I just want to let you know, Tony, it's nice to see you in uniform. And uh, I noticed that Harry happened to wear the odd T-shirt today. How come I can't get all three of you to wear a Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor T-shirt at the same time? It's, it's. It's, I just don't understand. Because you only gave us one each. Oh, well, there are extras floating around the studio, so feel free. That um, Although, in Tony's case, he might take seven. This way, he never has to do laundry. So let's get over and do the uh, phones. Let's go over and talk to John from John from Biloxi, Mississippi, 1990 Chevy Cavalier. John, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Uh, pretty, uh, thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Uh, We've talked my about compressor this car. was not coming on. We've talked about this car before, so, haven't we? Many times, yes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm keeping it running, barely. Yeah, well, okay. let's, let's see what we my can compre- do here. My compressor was not coming on, so I hardwired it to the battery. Okay. It's running, but the cooling fan does not come on. Okay. So, obviously, there's refrigerant in the system. All right? Yes. Th- there's a couple of things you need to be aware of. There are... There are two switches and a relay in this system. There's a low-pressure cutout, which is the normal cycling switch, and there's a high-pressure cutout, which are both in line. So have you looked at a wiring diagram by chance, John? Yes. Okay, when you look at that wiring diagram, if you recall, coming off the heater AC control, there's a light green wire that runs out to the pressure cutoff switch, and then that goes light blue, and then it turns dark blue, and then it becomes the... Going down to the compressor control relay, that's the hot? Okay. Have you found the compressor control relay, which is located in the engine compartment? On the in- Yes, it's on the inside of the fender on the right side right. up by the firewall. Have you sorted the wires out there as far as voltage is concerned? I'm not sure which one to, to jump across. Um, well, listen, you've got four wires there, right? You've, yes. you, you've got a pink black, you've got a dark blue, you've got a dark green, and you've got a dark green white. Let's let's talk okay. about let's talk about the hot side. The pink black and the dark blue have to be hot. 
All right. All right. I ba- see you. Basically, basically, if you were to run the car, undo whatever wiring you did. If you were to run the car, take a voltmeter, go to the pink black with the hot, you should see battery voltage there, or charging system voltage. And if you go to the dark blue, you'll see hot. Okay? You'll see battery right. voltage there. All right. That that's power feed from. So if it's hot on that side of the relay, then the next thing you're going to do is turn the AC on, go to the dark green. You're going to have hot there because you're already telling me if you hot wire the compressor, it works. So obviously, I'm sure you've got hot there. If you had hot there, it would work. You probably won't have hot at the dark green because my guess is the AC compressor control isn't being grounded, which is done vis-a-vis the PCM. All right. Did you follow that? Okay. Basically, you got four wires. You got two hots going in. You've got a ground control on the dark green white, which mm-hmm. when, when the dark green white grounds at the PCM, that flips the relay and provides power on the dark green, which turns the compressor on. Okay. All right. If you're bypassing the compressor, hot wiring it direct, mm-hmm. then what you're doing is you're bypassing the PCM, so naturally the cooling fans won't come on because the PCM's not controlling it. Okay. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Do you have a scan tool of any type? No, I just have a, a multimeter volt. One of the things I, one of the things I'd like to see, like you could go to that dark blue wire. Let's go back to the other side of the relay, the dark blue. Okay. That dark blue, if you went, there's a splice up the line there. It's uh, 112, 113, something like that. I'm trying to remember. But if you go back up the line, there's a splice that comes off that dark blue that goes over to the PCM. That's the AC input. So when John turns on the AC request at the dashboard, that provides a 12-volt signal down to the PCM or a, or, a, or a voltage signal down to the PCM that tells it, hey, John wants the air on. The PCM then looks at the rest of the power switches and decides, hey, should I apply ground? Okay? So basically, if you had a scan tool and you turned the AC on, you would see change of state. AC request on, AC request off, and you could actually monitor it that way. So getting your hands on an older scan tool for something like this, probably get out to eBay, you'll probably find something cheap enough that uh, fits the need. It would be interesting to see what the PCM is requesting. This may have a bad PCM, but you've got to test it to be sure. Ron and Andy in the car, Doctor. I'll be back right after this. I'm brought to you courtesy of the red, white, and Welcome back. Ron Anini and the Car Doctor rolling along this hour. Thank you for spending some time with me today as I get to talk to you about your car problem, and I'm glad we get together each and every week like this. Let's get over to line one and talk to Dallas from La Crosse, Wisconsin, 2000, Lincoln Continental, and some water pump issues. Dallas, welcome to the Car Doctor. How can I help? Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome, sir. Hey, well, I have a 2000 Continental with a 4.6 liter in it. And a little while ago, my water pump failed when I was on the highway, and um, to be honest, I did not, I thought just low coolant, and so I kept going, and when I finally stopped, um, I had a decent puddle on the ground. Okay. So I got the car back home um, and figured out that the water pump had failed, and so I had the water pump replaced along with the serpentine, 
And right before I took it in, I had put in a, a new thermostat. And when I re picked up the car again, I got it back home after a, a small errand. And then I looked at the temperature gauge needle, and it just didn't seem to be where I normally would see it. So I sat and idled, and then I slowly, or I watched as the needle slowly rose up towards the red line, and I went, uh -oh. well, that's not good. Yeah. I called the shop back. They w weren't much of a help, and so I did a little detective work myself, pulled the old thermostat out, and there was what I'm going to say was um, black gasket material stuck to the thermostat. Okay. And so then my thoughts were, well, did that mean that, or does that mean that the um, radiator is partially clogged? Because what happens is it'll heat up in the city, but once I go on the highway and I can keep it at right around 2,000 RPMs, that needle drops right down to where it should be, and there aren't any issues. But once the engine heats up in the city, it'll constantly, you know, go up towards the needle or the, the hot part. Um, you know, I can modify that turning on the heater, but in the summertime, that's not really right. that, can, that right. good. So basically, it's, it's overheating at lower speeds in the city, but it's okay out on the highway. Right. And now mm -hmm. I've, I've had it flushed. I've replaced the thermostat again. Um, I haven't seen any more of that material. And I've tried to do a proper burping on the engine, but what I've noticed is after getting it nice and warm, you know, I'll check the upper hoses Unfortunately, the thermostat's on the lower end of the engine. It's not real convenient to, to access. But the lower hose, I don't find any resistance at all. Well, the upper hoses will have it. And I've done an um, a infrared thermometer check. And the upper hoses will get up to 180, 190. But if I uh, point it at the lower hose, that's, it's approximately half that. Right. So when it gets hot, I let it idle up to um, get hot. I'll um, rev it up to 2,000 RPMs, which the, drops the needle down, and all of a sudden I get hot coolant flowing into the, the lower hose, and it doesn't quite get up to 100, 190 or 180, but it's a lot warmer, and I can feel a resistance when I squeeze the lower hose. Okay. So um, I'm not sure if I have a air bubble in there, a big enough one that I can't burp out of there with what I've been doing, or if my radiator is partially clogged. Okay. Let's start here. Um, what brand thermostat you use them? Uh, Murray. Okay. Murray's a good stat. Stant's a good stat. Um, make sure you're using a good stat because I want to, I want to eliminate that part as a potential problem. Yeah. Uh, I would look at Murray and see where are they making it. I'm not aware of Murray making the stats. For all I know, Stant makes the stat for Murray and just boxes it in their own brand. So, okay. uh, you know, I would prefer you. I would prefer to see a Stant. Here's the reason why I'm brand sensitive on on a lot of my repairs, because if I know the brand, that eliminates half of my diagnosis. Okay. I, I know I'll still diagnose it, but I know that you know they've got a good track record. And listen, anybody can make a bad part. You know, nine out of ten times they're right. Ten that one out of ten. You, so you've always got to be aware of it. But you know, I I can't listen. I was at the bank this morning. I made my bank deposit, and they gave me an American little American flag for Fourth of July. You know, in the cellophane wrapper. Sure. The American flag made in China. I was like, really? This is this is this is what we're doing? You know? And I'm looking at them going, it is kind of cheesy looking, even though it's my flag. But like, so I'm very sensitive on where things are made and trying to put quality in. 
And I, you know, Stant is. I got to say, Stant has never let me down in in, in the forty plus years I'm doing this. And uh, their Stant super stats a good stat. So that being said, let's get past the thermostat. Okay. Um, you know, what brand water pump would be my next question? Because then I've got that a question. That I don't know. Um, I took it to a reputable dealer. Okay. And when I took in the material that I found stuck to the thermostat, I did replace that one with another Murray. Right. I may even have done it another time. Um, I showed it to him. I said, this is what I found on my thermostat. And before the whole scenario with the water pump, the engine ran, as far as I could tell, perfectly. And so he responded to me saying, well, we don't really know where that came from. And, you know, here I'm kind of, how can I prove that it came up, you know, when the water pump was replaced? Right, right. Um, So I'm kind of left hanging there, and he didn't want to really get into it anymore. And so I just kind of left the material with him and walked out the door. And and, um, But the problem's been consistent. Well, but but the the, the shop that did the water pump, did they say what brand water pump it was, or was it a Ford dealer? Was it a Lincoln dealer? No, it was not a dealer. It was uh, a local repair shop, not okay. far from me, because I had to get over there without. Right. You know, I couldn't hold any water or so any the, coolant. So the question becomes: seeing this is the part where I have I have an issue with this. All right, you show up at my doorstep, and I'm going to have the conversation with you. I'm going to tell you, hey Dallas, you know what? You're here. There's no coolant in the car. Obviously, it needs a water pump. The water pump's falling off. You know, we, we're going to start with a water pump, but we got to have the conversation about potential engine damage, potential right. overheat, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's not, well, we put a thermostat, we put a water pump in your car. You know, it's 300 bucks. See ya. Um, that doesn't work. There's right. there's an obligation on the repair shop. Otherwise, don't take the job. You know, you can't, you can't cherry pick in this business. Either you solve right. the problem for the guy or you don't. That being said, um, you know, could you potentially have a cheesy water pump? That has a slipping impeller? Yeah, anything's possible. Yeah, I thought of that. Right? You know, anything's possible because it almost sounds like you're describing something that's not flowing coolant. You're not getting enough flow. All right? You didn't have, the, why, you didn't have right. the problem prior to the water pump failure. Right. So logically, you know, it's you've been playing with a stat. You've been playing with a pump. I don't think you're airbound yet simply because you've driven it too much. What you could try is if you're not going anywhere later tonight, warm the car up, bring it up to temperature, all right? And when it cools off, park it, cool, let it cool off. When it cools off, take the radiator cap off the expansion tank. Right. And if you can get the nose up in the air a little bit, doesn't take much. Yeah. We've got a, yeah, a six-degree incline at the shop against the fence, and we use that. It helps us bring cars in easier so we don't have to push them as hard, number one, and number two. When we want to bleed cooling systems, we'll park them nose up against the fence so the nose is higher, take the radiator cap off, walk away, come back the next morning, it's burped. Wow. And, you know, that's... Yeah, I've, I put the car up on a, I have a set of ramps, and I just, you know... Let it when sit? I changed the oil, you know, and I was even going as far, you know, people would say, well, maybe you have a cracked head, and I'd said, well, you know, there's no coolant loss, there's no discoloration of the oil, I right. just did a... Uh, combustion leak test. There's uh, the, the die stays nice and blue. Okay. Um, so I've covered that. And when the, I talked to somebody today because I wanted to find a certain part at the Ford dealer, the Lincoln dealer, he suggested that maybe I just had a. I mean, sometimes those air bubbles are really difficult, and he thought maybe I should do a vacuum fill on it. 
you know, the purge kit. Yeah, you could. I wouldn't. I you could. I don't. But I, you know, at this point, I think enough of it's bled that it, it just sounds like you're. Listen, if it was going to overheat it, if it's going to overheat at low speed, it's going to overheat at high speed because of air bubbles. And okay. I, I tend not to see. I tend to see it. You know, one affects the other. So my first thought would be: let's go back to basics. Let's assume dirty word. Stats right. good. Water pumps good. Okay. Let's assume they put the water pump in correctly. There's no gasket material overhanging the inlet or outlet pump on the on the pump itself. You know, maybe they put the gasket in the wrong place. Maybe you know, there's right. <laughs> there's a lot of potential here. All right. Then, does the cooling fan come on and operate properly? Yes. All right. So if that's there, um, and you've got no restriction around the condenser or the radiator, there's no there's no piece of debris, road debris that came up to block airflow. It looks like it's flowing nope. right. Cleaned it right. Yeah. Cleaned then, it up. Then it's the only thing left is a radiator. That's that's what I was thinking. That's that's all that's there. Um, you know, and I didn't want to have to replace it because I'm thinking I really don't want to spend. The you know four hundred and fifty bucks here to get that pulled, right? And only to find out that that really wasn't the issue. And, right. and when the gentleman brought it up today about that air pocket, I thought, well, yeah, that lower hose. How come there isn't more resistance when I squeeze it compared to the top ones when it's when it's colder? Um, but why is I it would... so? Why is it so airbound? If it's that airbound, let's try burping it. Let's yeah. try. Let's try maybe put it up on the ramps overnight and uh, see what that does. And leave the. Leave the overflow. Right. Leave the expansion tank. Leave the cap off and and mark the bottle and let's see if it drops. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've tried to burp it a couple of times and you know I've been following what I think is right and. No. Um, let's try it. Let's try this. You know what? It, since you like you like working on the car, go out and buy a. Uh, you know what, Dallas? Stay put. Let me pull over and take care of some business. And when I come back, we'll go into this in detail. I don't want to rush it. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, will be back right after this. Welcome back. Why aren't the car doctor? Let's real quick get over to Dallas. Dallas, you're still there, sir. Thank you. Let's 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 troubleshoot this real quick. When the water pump failed out on the road before the other shop repaired it, or when the other shop repaired it, did they put a thermostat in it? Uh, I don't. I didn't ask them to do it, and I don't believe they did. Okay. So basically, we had a, we had a vehicle that was running normal. Everything was fine. They did a water pump, and it came out overheating. Slowly, but yes, it did. It went okay. right back up. And all right. So let's let's go on the assumption again, dangerous word, that it has to do with the water pump. You may have compounded the problem by putting a thermostat in it, and you can surely eliminate that by putting a ther- a, a stant in it. Let's put a stant superstat in it. Let's bleed the system. If you're so inclined, jump online to O'Reilly Auto Parts. Get out to uh, get out to O'ReillyAuto.com and look for. I call it the yellow cooling funnel. They'll have, okay. and basically, it's a big giant funnel. It'll have the right adapters. Make sure you get the right threaded adapter to put it on the expansion tank, and you can burp the cooling system that way. Okay. And that way, what that does is that lets you fill the bottle. All right, you might have to you might have to pinch off the vent line, but that'll let you fill the bottle, fill the funnel, let it sit, 
burp, that's that eliminates air. Right, because if the lower hose is an issue, why isn't the lower hose, why is that cold and the top one hot? That sounds like a thermostat that's not opening to me. Why isn't the thermostat opening? Did you, yeah. did you, did you compound the problem by starting to change parts? So once you get the thermostat resolved, now you've got to deal with the original problem that they created. Maybe there's an issue with the way this water pump's put in. Yeah, I thought of that. Now, I know that um, when the, the the pump failed, you know, I I'm, I know I ran it longer than it, it probably should have, and the engine doesn't purr like it used to. It has a few more noises, like a little bit of maybe yeah. ticking, and I got a slight rap going on now. It's got 177 on it, but right. I drive it around the city, not too much on the highway. Um, it's been dependable, and I just would like to take care of this and if it's a radiator, it has to be done. That's right. that's the way it is. Right, but it it almost sounds like, and you know, I'm just trying to eliminate the other potential issues and some of the oh, other yeah. problems. And yeah. I, I think I would also recommend somebody do a cooling system pressure test, where you know, pressurize the cooling system, right. pull the spark plugs out, let it sit till morning, spin it over, disable the ignition, spin it over. Does it blow any coolant out of any of the cylinders? Let's see what happens that way. I gotta go. The clock's gonna grab me. Try those things before you put a radiator in it. Let's talk next week, and we can diagnose this a little bit further. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. Let's jump back in. We've got two more to go here. Aaron. Out in Washington State, 2000 old Zolera with a fuel pump relay issue. What's going on? There are uh, problems have been progressively worse here over the last two months. Uh, started out, it would die maybe once or twice a week, uh, leave me alongside the road or my son alongside the road. Uh, you just have to wait 10, 15 minutes and it'd fire back right back up and okay. then drive for, for a while. What, what, what makes you, what, Aaron, what makes you think this isn't a bad fuel pump? Uh, I, I haven't ruled that out yet. Okay. Uh, I'm just, before I drop the tank and, and go that route, i just wondering if you or any of your listeners had any problems like this before to save me from having to yeah, I mean, go that route. I haven't seen any issues with regard to relays overheating. Have seen more than a few issues of bad fuel pump relays. I'm sorry, bad fuel pump modules. What I would tell you to do, and I know on an Oldsmobile it's tough to get in there for fuel pressure test because there's no test port, but I'd like to see what fuel pressure reading is. I always do a pump pressure test and a volume pressure test. It should fill that Snapple bottle through the relief valve of the pressure gauge in 30 seconds, 20 to 30 seconds. It'll fill a pint. And I'd like to see what current draw is on the pump. And current draw, if the resistance, if the pump is failing, and current draw is going up, that'll overheat the relay and create the problem unto itself, but the solution is still replacing the pump. So I would do a little testing in the area of the fuel pump, trying to eliminate that as a potential problem, and we'll kind of go from there. I'm sorry to cut you short. The clock's going to grab me. i got one more to sneak in. Yell if you need more. Jeff, Monroe Township, 2002 Subaru. What's going on here, Jeff? Ron, what an honor. Yes, sir. Um, I had an alignment done the other day because I noticed some uneven tread wear on my front tires. Right. So I was wondering, how do you really know if your car is in alignment without bringing it into a shop? Well, you know, it depends. Now, General Tire, uh, the good guys at General Tire, actually have alignment indicators built into a lot of their model of tires that you can look at them, and it will tell you before the tire wears 
how it's pickled, so to speak, whether or not it's out of alignment. That being said, a pothole can put a car out of alignment. One, two, three, you can have an alignment done on Monday. Tuesday hit a pothole and it's out again. So it does take some driver interaction in the sense of knowing, you know, what you've got going on as far as did I hit a pothole or not. Um, number one, number two, yeah, you know, a good indicator is that the car go left or right, but there are alignment areas that can be out that won't show in terms of does the car pull or, or, or go the wrong direction. Uh, basic rule of thumb, a good alignment every 12 to 14 months is a regular check depending upon where you drive, and that'll help promote longer tire life. Jeff, I appreciate the question. The clock's going to take me. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. They're priceless.